Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk About It. This is Susan Johnson, and we have a wonderful guest for you here today. And, uh, of course, my co-host is out doing great things, campaigning. He's running for office. Dennis O'Brien will be working to get elected uh, to be on the uh, Willimantic Taxing District Board. Uh, of course, he had great experience as our probate judge, and then he went on the council after that when he had to retire from the uh, probate because he aged out. Uh, but in any way, uh, he's, he's a great lawyer, and I will be thrilled to see him get elected because he'll be able to help the town in so many ways. But with that said, we have a fabulous guest today. We have today Laura Cruz. She's the Director of Benefit Access with the Senior Resources uh, Center, or the Area Agency on Aging. And I just can't thank you enough for being on our show today. Well, thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. And this is great because, you know, uh, there's, uh, Medicare is a very, very complicated uh, complicated thing. And uh, it's because there's uh, the need for supplements. And, of course, Medicare started in 1965 uh, in the Medicaid program, too. And uh, they've been helping people with access to health care for a long time. But there have been some changes since 1965. There's some, a lot of changes since 1965. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there have. And I know you can keep us up to date because uh, some of the things that we'd like to chat about today are the things that Medicare can do for people and the things that uh, maybe we have something called a Medicare savings program that some people may be eligible for. And then, of course, the combination of the Medicaid program and the Medicare program. So these are all things that are so important to our seniors. And this is the time because we have uh, changes in uh, enrollment. Right, right. Well, now's the time. So yes. The annual enrollment period. Okay. Well, again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, again, my name is Laura Cruz, and I'm with Senior Resources, one of the five agencies on aging in Connecticut. Um, we're all nonprofit, which is wonderful, and we all have what's called the State Health Insurance Assistance Program. We just call it Choices in Connecticut. And Choices counselors, you know, we're, we're highly trained uh, Medicare counselors who are not affiliated with any insurance agencies uh, whatsoever, but we're here to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly about the entire Medicare program. So right now, if you're actively enrolled in Medicare, you have a wonderful red, white, and blue card. You have to make plan changes for the upcoming year. You're prob probably being bombarded with a whole bunch of information coming into your mailbox. Uh, the open enrollment period begins, October, it's already began, October 15th, and it does end December 7th. I cannot stress enough for individuals who are actively enrolled in Medicare, and you must select your own prescription drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan, now's the time to open up that mailings from your current plans and ensure you know what they're talking about, you know what your changes are for next year, and when I talk changes, I am talking about the myriad of plans, especially the standalone drug plans, who have increased premiums quite substantially. Uh, some of the plans I have seen have increased their premiums by $30 a month. And if you're not expecting that, it might be a shock for you come January when they mail you that nice booklet and says, okay, here's your premiums. Uh, what the Choices Program does is we will sit down with you, either we'll talk on the phone, we can Zoom with you, we have in-person appointments, I have um, events throughout uh, our eastern portion of Connecticut, and we'll sit down with you and discuss the current plans you have now 
and how is it going to help you or how will it uh, not help you for 2024 and for pretty much you need to make your decisions by December 7th for them to take effect January 1st. Well, that is a really good start. And tell us, uh, how can they reach you? Do you have a phone number people can call? Absolutely. Senior Resources Agency on Aging, our local phone number. We're located in Norwich, but we do cover all of uh, Middlesex, New London, Wyndham Counties. For some strange reason, we have five towns in Tolland, but that's okay. Uh, but our local phone number is area code 860-887-3561. But if you're not listening in this area, but somewhere else in Connecticut, or maybe you have a family member um, that lives elsewhere in Connecticut, not in the towns we serve, uh, Choices has a uh, 1-800 number that will work inside the state of Connecticut that should get you to your area agency on aging for with Choices Counseling, and that is 1-800-994-9422. Wonderful. And if people are driving their car right now um, and they just want to Google senior resources or choices, uh, what would come up if they did that? Well, what they would need to do is uh, Google Senior Resources Eastern Connecticut, and it will bring you, should bring you, mm -hmm. directly to our website located in Norwich. And it does bring up our entire agency as a whole, which besides Choices Counseling, we do have a lot of other programmatic information, uh, especially those caregivers. We understand being a caregiver is a huge task, but uh, definitely Google us because we'd love to have you come visit our website. We would also like for you to like us on Facebook. We put a, a lot of information, a lot of uh, events that are happening, but if you were to look at your Facebook page and Google senior, resourcer, uh, senior, excuse me, <laughs> senior resources of Eastern Connecticut, we'd love for you to like our page as well. All right. Well, that's good information because I'm going to go and make you a friend of mine. Oh, oh please. <laughs> make you a friend. I want senior resources to be my friend on Facebook. Yes. I think that would be great. And let's just talk a little bit about what the – I just know, noticed that you mentioned that Medicare Part D, the drug uh, program, is going to go up with the premiums. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes the Medicare Advantage plan, which is Medicare Part C, the Health Maintenance Organization plan. Uh, some people confuse it with other types of uh, acronyms, but the Medicare A and B, Medicare A covers <laughs> hospital services, Medicare B covers medical services uh, with the doctor's visits and diagnostic services, and also A and B cover home care services. Uh, all those should be covered under the HMO plan. All the fee-for-service things would be covered under the HMO plan. And then there's Medicare D, which is, again, the pharmaceutical plans that sometimes are covered under the uh, for, under the Medicare Part C, Medicare Advantage plans. But one thing that I found to be kind of uh, interesting was the fact that if you have your medications covered through the Advantage plan, uh, and then you go out of an Advantage plan, uh, you may uh, owe premiums in your Medicare Part D. Do you have the information on how uh, someone would make sure that if they are in the Part C plan that encompasses A, B, and D, mm -hmm. uh, that they would know whether or not the Advantage plan was paying their D premiums just in case they left the Advantage plan? So the tool that we utilize every day, and especially during open enrollment. We want to, and, and this is for anyone who's on Medicare, you want to utilize the medicare.gov uh, 
website, and they have what's called the Plan Finder tool. And when you do, uh, you're able to input your medications and tell the program, I want to look at just Part D plans, or you can look at Medicare Advantage plans with drug coverage. And that is a great tool to get started with. You might might have to look in other places too here and there for certain things. But we utilize the Medicare Plan Finder tool especially to go over the Medicare Advantage plans with the drug coverage uh, because you, you do want to know are you signing up for a Medicare Advantage plan with drug coverage that you might have to pay a premium for and you might even have to pay an additional health plan premium on top of your Medicare Part B premium. So in order to enroll into a Medicare Advantage plan you must have Medicare Parts A and B in order to get into that type of a plan and then get your benefits through a private insurance company like an HMO or a PPO. Uh, but it's very important you understand what your financial obligations are with those types of plans. And what I do like about Medicare.gov is it does break down the premium listing about um, you'll still owe Part B, but uh, this has a maybe a zero health plan premium, maybe even more of a premium. And then it will also break down if you have to owe an additional Part D premium as well. Mm-hmm. Looking at just the standalone drug plans, it's obviously just going to show you the Part D premiums only. Um, and then from there, screening your medications, is it's really so important. It's no sense signing up for a plan that's not going to cover your medications. So if you're with straight Medicare, known as original Medicare with a prescription drug plan, make sure you're signing up for a drug plan that covers all your meds. Same thing with a, if you choose to get your Medicare benefits through a private insurance company like an HMO or a PPO. Well, well, let me just stop you there mm-hmm. with HMO, PPO, because my understanding is Medicare Part C is a health maintenance organization. A sub subgroup of the HMO would be a PPO. So actually, Medicare Advantage plans Part C can come in multiple forms of, um, how do I want to say, uh, insurance plans. They have some that are strictly HMOs, and they have some that are PPOs sometimes with an HMO component. So if you look at like the HMO slash POS, that's available. Okay, get it. Let's just, why don't we go HMO, Health Maintenance Organization, PPO is Preferred Provider Federal Organization. organization. Uh, and when the uh, 1996 law came into effect, uh, making it more liberal for insurance, for the insurance industry to have health maintenance organizations under Medicare Part C, mm-hmm. they were providing the capitated system of coverage. So what happens, my understanding is, with an HMO plan, every single Medicare beneficiary who enrolls, the federal government pays a premium for them for the whole year. And they don't pay any more than that. So whatever the uh, uh, Medicare Part C has, that's that's what they get for that particular person. Now, if that person ends up with a diagnosis of uh, say a cardiac disease that needs a, you know, bypass surgery. They're still going to get whatever the bottom line figure is for that particular person. They'll have to expend more money for that. But that is, when you have an HMO, that's kind of how health maintenance organizations work, whether they're under the Medicare Part C or whether you're getting it in the private sector insurance industry. And again, it's another capitated way of analyzing it. Now, um, how does, so are you saying that Medicare Part C expanded to preferred provider organizations with no, uh, with, with additional, with a, different type of capitation? Well, as first capitation, I can't, 
I would not know that answer. What I'm saying is how, whether you have to stay in network or out of network. So when I talk HMOs, what I'm talking about is plans that you must stay within the network to get your care, unless it's an absolute emergency. If you're in another state and you're suffering something life-threatening, they have to cover you as if they're in network. Uh, there are PPO plans now uh, that a person can enroll in, which has both in-network and out-of-network benefits. If you choose to go out-of-network under that PPO plan, you might pay a little bit higher. So instead of a set copay, say like a set $15 office visit copay, you may pay 20% of that total office visit. So they have expanded as far as offering other plans for uh, beneficiaries so they just don't have their only option isn't just an HMO to enroll into. So when we talk HMO, PPO, I'm talking about the access to what somebody could get for care. And they're, and they're specifically listed. Um, anyone who's on Medicare now, you should be receiving your Medicare and you handbook. Should have already received it by now. I, ho I hope everyone did. If you don't have one yet, you can call our office. We've ordered extras. Very happy to share because <laughs> I want you to have the, your Medicare information. Uh, but when you flip to the back of the book, it's going to show all the listings of the plans that do do business in Connecticut. And that's standalone Part D plans. It's the um, insurance companies that sell Advantage plans, as well as the other plans that are called like the dual special needs plans. There's institutional okay. plans now. You can stop there. What's a dual special needs plan? Yeah, a dual special needs plan is it's part of the Medicare Advantage plan round. So it's a Medicare Part C plan. But it's designed for somebody who has applied through the state of Connecticut and has been granted either full Medicaid, known as Husky C in Connecticut. Um, so whether you're receiving home and community-based services, maybe long-term care Medicaid, or just maybe straight Medicaid in Connecticut. There's plans that are specifically designed for that particular person that's supposed to wrap more services around. But in order to enroll into that type of plan, you do have to prove your Medicaid eligibility. And that would be your letters through the state of Connecticut Department of Social Services. Okay, so I've had a number of people who have gone through the Medicare Advantage plan and also were eligible for Medicaid and or the Medicaid Savings Program, which is a little bit higher eligibility rate, but right. still would cover you totally, completely for your fee-for-service Medicare, uh, A, B, and D. Uh, but then someone will come, an insurance broker will come and say, well, you can have this plan. And then all of a sudden I find out from a constituent that, oh, they don't provide, they don't have anybody who can provide, say, home care services, which are required for under the Medicare Part C. They're supposed to provide every single thing that A, B, and D cover, right. or A and B cover in any event. And then, uh, and so what I'm wondering is how is it that they can get approved <laughs> and not have a full network availability for somebody who is on Medicaid, would need to have, say, surgery, and subsequently home care services, but can't get any home care services because that Advantage plan uh, created a huge disadvantage for that particular person. How do we address that? Yeah, That's when I'm going to call in my friends from the Center for Medicare Advocacy, a wonderful group uh, located in Mansfield, and they really have the Medicare beneficiaries um, 
overall care in mind when they come because they will go up to bat for you and help you and when it when it is designed where okay your doctor orders specific services for you you're absolutely correct a medicare advantage plan must cover everything that medicare parts a and b does and when it does come as an inadequate excuse me uh, coverage area Unfortunately, as far as the choices program is concerned, you know, it's, it's quite difficult for us. So that's why we're going to get the experts involved with that and work with them. And they'll work directly with the consumer, the Medicare beneficiary to ensure that the Medicare Advantage plan who's supposed to be offering those services does do what they need. Um, and it might take a little time for that, but they're great people. They well, really they are, are. wonderful mm-hmm. people. But here we are now. Somebody's discharged from the hospital. And now needs home care services, but mm-hmm. that particular ad- advantage plan creates a disadvantage because right. they don't have a contract with any of the home care providers. So the person is now struggling with a with a discharge plan that isn't working right. because while they may be eligible for home care services, their particular Medicare Advantage program creates a disadvantage that they will be struggling to get better. And what the, what impact would that have on the hospital? It's my understanding that say somebody gets discharged from the hospital to the home with a hospital expecting uh, a discharge with a home care service and the person uh, does not get that because the uh, advantage plan that they have doesn't have a network provider uh, for home care services Uh, and then the person gets injured again because they can't get the home care they were supposed to get they must go back to the hospital in that case and then the hospital takes the brunt of the problem because uh, they will be fined by the federal government because somebody was just in the hospital, was discharged too soon, and then became injured again. Right. Now, and, you know, if they do call choices, we're going to take an entire look around what's going on. You mentioned something about um, if they are enrolled in the Medicare Savings Program, which uh, for listeners, it's a wonderful program if you qualify because it's going to help you pay your Medicare premiums. And then it enrolls you into a whole other federal program called the Extra Help Program, which helps with your prescription drug plan. But... What it does do is it generates what's called a special enrollment period for you to perhaps leave the current plan you're in right now and get enrolled into something that would work. If the call comes into the ship, that's the first thing that we're going to see is, okay, let's take a look at your surroundings, what what's going on. If it's an issue where they're outside of a valid enrollment period, because even with that help, they could have already used their special enrollment period for the quarter, or there's just so many instances where it may or may not work. Um, again, that's where we can help reach out to the plan to say what's going on, and if we don't get that good answer from the plan, a valid answer of why is it not paying, why are you not covering this area, what the client needs, then again, we will refer to CMA and get them involved because they do have the legal ability to do so. And see it, Center for Medicare Advocacy. And uh, yes, and that their number is 860-456-7790. And if you've run into this problem with a Medicare Advantage program because, and they have uh, created a situation where you're at a disadvantage because they did not give a full 
uh, opportunity for you in every single thing that Medicare Part A, which is hospitalization uh, and institutional care, Part B is uh, doctor services and diagnostic services, if they limited your access to these things and these services that are fee-for-service, then in that case, call the Center for Medicare Advocacy, again, at 860-456-7790, because I've, I've had constituents here in this area, and I know in other areas in the state where They've enrolled in these Medicare Advantage plans, and they aren't, a, they aren't fully, uh, they, I don't know why they were actually certified by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid on the federal level, but they were, and they still did not provide access to every single thing they're supposed to provide. They're supposed to have a network of all the right. things that Medicare A and B cover. And let's just talk a little bit about, we've talked a little bit about Medicare Part C, which is HMO, Health Maintenance Organization, capitated program. Uh, the federal government, again, pays the, the, that insurance company for every single beneficiary a certain amount, and they don't get any more. So <laughs> what happens is, is uh, you know, they, they want to make sure that they get plenty of money from the federal government to cover in case somebody has a medical need uh, that goes beyond the amount that the capitation uh, provides. Uh, so, and I say that because back in the day now, I don't know what the amount is now. Do you know what they're paying? Uh, I know that there is a, they're about, a, they're quite a bit over the uh, fee-for-service plans say they're about 150% over what they actually need mm. in terms of the money that they get under the Advantage plans. And also, when we looked at last, uh, when uh, two years ago, when the Biden administration uh, proposed putting um, uh, in the fee-for-service plans, Medicare, uh, those plans, uh, having hearing, dental, and, and uh, vision in those plans, uh, the Advantage plan insurance industry people came in and stopped it. Uh, they lobbied hard to stop it, and so that's why they, of course, they would try to do that because <laughs> they're getting more, much more than they need. But I'm not, I'm just trying to say, you know, what what the problems are that I found that have been insurmountable because people have really had a hard time uh, overcoming these things. And the and has a someone who worked with the Center for Medicare Advocacy, and then before that, the Legal Assistance to Medicare Patients program. One of the things that we found back in the day is that the appeals process is much, much different under the Medicare uh, Part C slash Advantage plans. How they do the appeals uh, is a very different situation. You don't have the access to appealing a denial of Medicare benefits under the Medicare Part C that you would have uh, under Medicare uh, fee-for-service. So that's a different situation. And a lot of the information that you might get from a doctor who is uh, rep working with you on a fee-for-service plan will be in a situation where they are... Um, uh, you know, having to work within that group of Medicare Part C instead of looking at them uh, in a uh, in a situation uh, for for um, you know being able to operate more on their own and independently based on what their ideas of what you should have for. Uh, services and coverage and that sort of thing. So it is a very different thing. So I think right now we're going to stop for a break. Uh, this is Susan Johnson. I'm here with our very special guest, <laughs> Laura Cruz, Director of Benefits and Access with the Senior Resources Area or the Area Agency on Aging, also known as. And we will be right back after these messages. <laughs> 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Susan Johnson. I'm here with our very special guest, uh, a very timely guest, I should say, uh, Laura Cruz, Director of Benefit Access with the Senior Resources uh, Center or the Area Agency on Aging. And we're in that special time of year where people can go and make changes about their Medicare enrollment. And this is going on right now. So when you hear this show, it's going to be time for you to just take a peek at what you have for coverage and see if you want to change it, see if you like it, and or get some counseling just to make sure you have everything you're supposed to have. And so I'm really, really thrilled that Laura Cruz is here <laughs> to talk to us. Now, we did spend in the first part of the show a little bit about the Medicare Advantage plans and some of the problems that you might run into uh, with an Advantage plan. Uh, and, of course, you hear lots and lots of commercials on uh, all, all over the place on the Advantage plans. Not so much about the fee-for-service plans. Tell us a little bit about how the Medicare fee-for-service plans work. They're the old-fashioned plans, the <laughs> right. plans that, that were the first plans that came out in the 1965 when we first had. Well, actually, they were probably a little bit after 1965. But the insurance industry did work with Congress to make sure that they had a little bit of an in uh, mm -hmm. when the uh, Medicare program program went into effect because just a little bit of history here um, you know back in the day and before 1965 uh, insurance companies wouldn't cover anybody over a certain age because they felt that it was going to be too expensive so you couldn't get insurance if you were a certain age elderly or you couldn't get coverage if you couldn't pay for it with a um, with a uh, you know if you're low low income you couldn't pay for it and so uh, that was why we got the Medicaid program, and it really helped the uh, medical industry, I have to say, gave a lot more support to the medical industry than they ever had, and uh, still to this day, although it may be kind of not as uh, well known <laughs> as to the huge advantages uh, the medical industry has because of the uh, Medicaid and the Medicare programs and probably some with the Affordable Care Act now, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's just talk a little bit about the uh, Medicare fee-for-service plans and how many plans are they? Are there? <laughs> so, well, so let, let's talk uh, briefly about Medicare Parts A and B. You know, as sure. you were saying, you know, 1965 when it comes out. I always say, you know, Medicare would have been so much easier to talk about if we did this 40 years ago. You know, you had A and B and that's it. You had nothing else. You know, not no um, Medigap plans to talk about, no prescription drug plan to talk about. It was there to cover you when you were ill. So fast forward now, some things over through the course of the years have come into play and voila, we now have, you know, Medicare, you've got Medigap plans, and now as of 2006, need to add on a prescription drug plan. Um, the original Medicare model, which was, uh, you know, again, designed many, many years ago, was essentially there to pay for when you were ill. You had mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, you know, you have Part A, which is your hospital insurance, uh, you have Part B, which is your medical insurance, and <clears throat> and you can enroll pretty much when you're 65. Medicare, you can actually, um, it is available to some under the age of 65 if you do collect Social Security disability for two years. So it has opened up the door uh, for a lot of younger folks, too, to get onto the Medicare program if considered uh, determined disabled, I should say, by the Social Security Administration. The Medicare program is... Oh, yes. And also, don't oh, forget kidney failure. 
Yeah, and yes, and stage renal disease at any age. You know, honestly, it's it's you know you're not even collecting disability for two years. You could be at any age diagnosed with end stage renal disease, which is essentially kidney failure resulting in dialysis or, quite frankly, a um, uh, kidney transplant. Unfortunately, so it is available and it, it is a great mechanism to help pay. And now added. And even now, added on more to that part where you could actually stay on the Medicare program even when the Medicare uh, benefits run out to at least help pay for those um, transplant drugs now. So that that's wonderful. That's such um, a change, too, because back yeah. when I was doing this work, uh, you they give it to you, the, the transplant change medication, the immune uh, you know, response uh, right. medication uh, was ended after about a year. Yes. And now they certainly <laughs> continue that. And we would all scratch our heads and say, why would they do that? Right. <laughs> because well, now it's available. <laughs> so great. It's a wonderful thing. I could It only took so many to years it. to do that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with the original Medicare program, your red, white, and blue card, you do have access to care pretty much anywhere you want within the United States, as long as your doctors uh, do participate, um, accept Medicare assignment, I should say. Now, unfortunately, when I am counseling folks, one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear is, yeah, but isn't it free? You know, I, I turned 65, so isn't it everything free now? And I'm like, no, unfortunately, no. Uh, the Medicare program is not free. Through your work history, you do pay FICA taxes. We pay Medicare taxes. And it does help you with enrolling into the Medicare program. But unfortunately, the Medicare program does have things called deductibles. It has co-pays. It has co-insurances. Um, for your medical benefits, Medicare Part B as in boy, everyone has to pay a premium for that if you do want your medical benefits. Um, so after I kind of go through what everything may may cost, you know, what's, what's your out-of-pocket expenses, the next question, well, is there anything that can be done with that? And then we'll talk about Medigap plans. And a Medigap is exactly the terminology. It's to help fill in the gaps that Medicare says is your responsibility to pay. And there are about 13 different insurance companies in Connecticut that sell Medigap plans. And I don't know who named them standardized by letters. I, in infinite wisdom, still I'm trying to figure that out. But there's all sorts of Medigap policies. You know, there's Medigap A, B, F, G, N. <laughs> there's, okay, how there's far so do many. they go? Because back when I was doing this work, they only went to uh, Medigap A through F. We now have uh, G, K, L, and N. And as one of the things that I found um, helpful was A through F was at least you had a limited number. The more you have, the harder it is to figure out what you're going to want to pay exactly. for. And I thought that that was, uh, that was one of the things someone, I was, I'm not going to do this too often, but I was at an Affordable Care Act meeting uh, uh, last week. And uh, one of the things that uh, I uh, found was that uh, they, some people thought there should be more plans, but when I helped design our Affordable Care Act system, I thought of the Medicare A through F. And I thought about, wow, uh, be, this happened in the 1980s, I can tell you that, okay. uh, A through F did, because what happened before that is they, uh, the insurance industry made the supplemental policies all a jumble. Uh -huh. and and nobody could figure out and they had so many different plans and they they didn't name them in any particular way and so then you got the a through f 
plans. And that happened in the 80s, late 1980s. And so uh, they, and I, that made it so much easier for people to figure out, well, what can I afford? What right. can I, if I could, if, like F, for example, back in the day was we could go out of the country with it and it would supplement some of your medical expenses out of the country. Uh, and so you had those those plans at the time, back in the, I won't even go into the details of each plan, <laughs> but but anyway, there there were certain costs. And then the insurance companies that offered them, you'd see a scale uh, mm -hmm. and how much they charged for A, B, C, D, E, and F. And, uh, you know, and each plan, of course, A, B, C, D, E, and F had to be the exact same plan. The benefits, right? Yes, yes. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, but, that's but that great. Was, uh, the, the, <laughs> the background, yeah, no, A little no. bit of the history and, here. Right. And it's great that it has become standardized. <laughs> because yes. I, when I'm talking Medigap plans to someone uh, and say they're, they're telling me what's important. So with choices, we're going to take a holistic approach. Okay, what is important to you? What are you looking for? And that's when we want to discuss, okay, well, let's look at the Medigap rate sheet because then that's how you're going to make your determination. What can you afford? A Medigap F is a great plan because you literally will have no Medicare Part A or Part B expenses that you'll have to pay, but you're going to pay quite a big, hefty premium for that. But if you became Medicare eligible on or after January of 2020, Plan F is not available to you. So anyone who has that nice red, white, and blue card, if it says their A and B begins after January 2020, they can't purchase a Plan F, well, which why, is a shame. Happened? That is actually some laws that took place, um, both federal and laws. Our, the federal government has said, unfortunately, any plans being sold from here on out you're going to be responsible for your Medicare Part B deductible. So now, like Plan G has kind of replaced the Plan F. The only difference between the G and the F is you have to pay your yearly Medicare Part B deductible. And it, what it, that's based on your income at this point as well, uh, the deductible yes. Part B. So uh, no, no, no. Your, your Part B premium is based on what your income could have been sorry. two years ago. <laughs> my, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, oh, that's okay. No. Yeah, 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 no, that was the Part B, the premium. So the premium is the what you pay the first, the first part of the, uh, first part of the uh, year. Every year You're you deductible. pay your Part B, you pay the, the Part B Deductible. deductible. Right. So so your Part B, your medical benefit, deductible, pretty much the first time you go to the doctor, I'm sure it's going to be wiped away. It is, is raising, it right uh, for 2024, it's going, I believe it's going to be $226. Okay. And, uh, and But if you're making more than a certain amount, it's going to be higher than that. Uh, that would be your Part B premium. So your part, so the deductible is the same for no matter who, but your Part B premium, uh, Social Security is going to review your tax return from two years ago. Mm -hmm. So if you're becoming Medicare eligible 2024, they're going to look at your 2022 tax return. If you are a single filer, I believe they raised the income limit to more than $103,000 you'll pay a higher Part B premium. If you're joint filers, and I believe they rose, that it's risen to over 203000 you'll pay a higher Part B premium. 
Anyone below that, you'll pay the standard premium. And next year, with the cost of living adjustment that's happening, it will be $174.70 for 2024. Mm -hmm. So that, that's taken directly out of your Social Security benefit if right. you're collecting. So one of the things they changed in the 1990s was the fact that they used to uh, base it on your income solely, but now they uh, take a look at how much under Part B home care, in the way of home care services are used. And then that is how they increase the premium amounts. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, <clears throat> that was a change because they used to be very low. Uh, and then they decided to move around uh, the uh, home care services cost at the same time. Right. And this is one of the things that's had a very bad impact on the state. And I don't mean to digress, but I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what happened in the 19, late 1990s was the fact that they, they did another thing where they capitated the home care services mm. payments. And so back before that capitation on home health care services, it was unlimited. You could, there was no change. If you had a situation where you had a chronic condition, you would be able to get home care services on an unlimited basis with a capitation payment to the home care agencies. Uh, the agency said, whoa, wait a minute. We have so much money for this person who's going to be with us long past the, uh, uh, the time period that we're being paid. And, um, you know, we can't take this person as a patient now. So what happened there was they shifted the cost to the uh, home, from the home care services to the skilled nursing facilities. And that cost the state more because Medicaid would only, uh, would have to come in after a certain period of time. And if they were really just home care eligible, they really weren't going to get coverage under the, the requirements of right. the skilled nursing facility coverage under Medicare. And so what would happen there is, is we created a program called Money That Follows the Person. MFP. <laughs> okay. oh, please proceed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no. And, and MFP, you know, great pro program to get somebody who's in a facility back into the community. So if you that, can. That's wonderful if you can, if you can, and still, still so many little pieces of the pie that have to be filled out when it comes to something like that. But they really have to get the home care services, and now the right. home care services paid under the Medicaid program mm -hmm. are not paid as much as they right. would be under the Medicare program. <laughs> and so there's still some limitations in terms of getting access to home care services right. uh, based on that change, that little tiny tweak that happened in the late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't come aboard till about 2005, so some of that may be <laughs> prior oh, that's to okay. my time. <laughs> I just count myself. I just that's uh, quite a right. little no, history because no, yeah. people wonder why, why is it like that, yeah. but that's why. Um, but getting back to Medigap plans is the Choices Program creates a – handy dandy uh, what we call a rate sheet so we take a lot of the information directly off the Connecticut Department of Insurance website their listing of the insurances that can be sold along with their standardized plans a through you know n at this point a uh, few of them are not around like J you you're not going to find anything about J uh, but the way the rate sheet is listed is if that plan sells that standardized plan, there's going to be a dollar figure in the box. So it indicates to you, oh, hey, you want, you know, XYZ insurance company. Let's see if they sell the Medigap plan you want. On the back side of our rate sheet, it's the benefits schedule, quite frankly. It's what does that Medigap plan pay for? So I always tell folks is the more check mark marks in the box, the better the plan. 
more check marks equals higher premiums. <laughs> so, and then there's go-betweens. There's actually um, the Medigap plan uh, G now is also offered in a high deductible as well. So if you're medical expenses are very minimal and you really only go to the doctor once or twice a year, you might want to consider enrolling in a high deductible Medigap plan because then your premium is probably say, let's just say $75 a month. That's great. The deductible for next year though is $2,800. So before your Medigap plan is going to pay anything, you're going to have to incur you know, $2,800 worth of out-of-pocket expenses, but it will cover you 100% for the remainder of the calendar year. So it is a way to kind of budget if you need to. You have set premiums, and then again, you go to the doctor once or twice, okay, you know you're going to pay something, you know, mm -hmm. and you know you're going to get a bill. So financially, you might be able to um, do some budgeting that way. So there's just a mixture of Medigap plans, and, and combined, when you utilize your Medicare and your Medigap plan, you really do have the freedom to... Um, move about the country, quite frankly. You know, you it's easier access to care to ensure that you're getting what you need. Um, no prior authorizations required. Uh, if you need that MRI because there's a medical reason, you you know, you don't need a prior authorization through Medicare. But that's not where it stops. Well, through your insurance, I mean. Uh, through, through, through Medicare. Through the insurance uh, <clears throat> Medicare Advantage plan. Well, through MRI. Well, through right. So through original Medicare, your red, white, and blue card, and a Medigap plan. Technically, there's no prior authorization needed for those types of services. Right. If you choose to get your benefits through a Medicare Advantage plan, please make sure you read or at least download or have a copy of what's called your evidence of coverage. Um, if you can't sleep one night, it's going to be a great thing to put you to sleep. But <laughs> honestly, uh, when when I'm counseling clients, I really want to make sure they have that because it really does give the caveats to their entire Medicare Advantage plan. If you need a prior authorization, do you need a referral? Uh, and what your out-of-pocket uh, costs are going to be for that particular um, item or service. So, you know, you, when you come with choices, we're going to give you, like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly about the entire <laughs> program. Mm -hmm. um, if you do decide to stay with the original Medicare model, like your red, white, and blue card and a Medigap plan, don't forget, you need to add on a prescription drug plan. And for next year, 2024, there's 21 different plans available that somebody can choose. That's, that's a lot. It really is. And it, it's very convoluted and it's frustrating to folks. I, I just want to say, you know, give us a call. Let us work with you. If you work with somebody already, by all means, continue working with that person. We just want to give you the entire education you're going to need to make that educated decision how you want your benefits. 21, 21 different <laughs> Medicare Part D plans yes. for your prescription medication if you're in the fee-for-service plans, uh, which, uh, you know, give you the chance to travel all over the country uh, and, you know, obtain your coverage uh, wherever you are. And I know that one of the problems that we have, if you have a place, uh, uh, a summer place in one area and you spend your winters in another area, you're probably better off. I'm going to just say this, but, you know, uh, <laughs> the fee-for-service, you're not going to have to worry about whether you're within the network because you might run into a situation where you need surgery. And then you're out of network, and then you're going to be in a situation that's going to create some difficulty and especially if you need something that you know is it you know is it, it, it doesn't have to be done immediately but 
but it must be done, uh, you know, you want to make sure you're going to be able to do that, and the network might not be available in, in the different state that you're in if you spend some part of your time and many people do as they uh, get older a lot of people go from uh, into the north in the in the in the, uh, in the summer months and they go to the south in the winter months right. and uh, many many my family did that has done that for my generations family does it too <laughs> and so that's the thing that I would would advise my uncle back in the day about well you want to make sure you have a fee for service plan but somehow he always ended up with an advantage plan and then he needed surgery oh, in no. in Maine and he had a heck of a time but we won't go into that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Two more minutes. Two more minutes. Uh, so hey, please, just, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Tell thank it, you. Thank up. you. The only thing that I want to say is, hey, it's the open enrollment period. If you're on Medicare now, give us a call. October 15th to December 7th uh, in Eastern Connecticut, it's 860-887-3561. Just ask for choices. We actually have a live person who answers the phone, so that's a good one. That's so great. <laughs> now, how about Google? Google, uh, Google Senior Resources Eastern Connecticut, and you should be able to find us. Same thing on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. Please like us because we try to put out a lot of Medicare information, fraud, caregiving information, anything you name it that we do, we want to get it out there. So we would love to have you like us, and then you can share the posts as well. Oh, wow. Laura Cruz, thank you so much. Director thank of Benefit Access, <laughs> Benefits Access at our uh, Senior Resources Program here in Eastern Connecticut. You're going to be in Danielson? Uh, yes. My, the, the, some great people in my office will be. I personally will not be, uh -huh. but people like me will be. All right. Well, this is wonderful. <laughs> wonderful opportunities for everybody to make sure you have the right kind of program for your situation. This is Susan Johnson, and uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with another great show.